Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. financial series. Can I, we're going to wrap it up today. Next week is something huge going on next week. Anybody know what's going on next week? Super Bowl? No. Missions. We're going to start missions. I think there is a little Super Bowl thing going on in the afternoon, but missions is going on next week. Yeah. So we're going to conclude today. Because it's a financial series, can I just help you? You know the quickest way to double this dollar? You know the quickest way to double your money? You want to know? You fold it up and put it back in your pocket. That's the quickest way you can double your money right there, right? It's the fastest way for sure you double your money. Might be the best advice you've ever had. I want to read this to you because I don't normally read lengthy things, but I want to read this because it, it really captures the heart of what I'm trying to discuss with you today. And the author wrote it based upon trusting God. And I think, I think the reason why it resonates is because all of us have come to that place somewhere in our relationship with God where we've had to say, do I really trust him? And it might have been in the middle of circumstances. It might have been in the middle of, 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 of an unanswered prayer. It might have been in the middle of financial chaos. It might have been in the middle of, you know, of, 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 of you know, sickness or disease. It might have been something, some kind of you know, negative thing that was happening in our life. And we really had to sit down and go, do I really, do I really trust him? And here's what this one author wrote. At first I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of all the things I did wrong so as to merit whether I got to go to heaven or hell when I died. He was out there sort of like a president. I recognized this picture when I saw it, but I I really didn't know him. But later on when I met Christ, it seemed as though life was sort of like a bike ride, but it was a tandem bike. And I noticed that Christ was in the back helping me pedal. I don't know just when he suggested we trade places, but life has never been the same since. When I have control, I lead the way. It was rather boring. It was predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long paths up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speeds. It was all that I could do to just hang on. And even though it looked like madness, he said, pedal. I worried and I was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? He just laughed and didn't answer. And that's when I learned that I was just simply going to have to learn to trust him. I forgot my boring life and entered into a brand new adventure. And when I'd say, I'm scared, he would just lean back and he would touch my hand. And he took me to people that, with the gifts that I had that they needed, gifts of healing, acceptance, and even joy. And he gave me gifts to take on my journey. And off we would go again and again and again. We would get to some people and he'd say, give away your gifts. They're just too much baggage, too much weight for this journey. And so I did to all the people that I met. And I found that in giving, I also received. And our journey continued and our burden was actually light. I did not trust him at first to take control of my life. I thought he would wreck it but he knows bike secrets. He knows how to make those sharp corners and how to jump and clear those high rocks and to do things that I could have never done if I were in control. 
So I'm leaning, learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places. I'm beginning to enjoy the view, the cool breeze that's on my face and the delightful companionship that I have in Jesus Christ. And when I think I can't do it anymore, he just smiles and says again, just pedal. I think that's maybe everyone's journey. That every day that we're working out our faith, that we're learning to grow closer and closer to God, we're learning to put more faith and more confidence in God. And somewhere along the line, we realized that we were riding the bike and maybe we need to switch off of this single seater and put a double seat on and put God in our life. And at somewhere along the, road, along the road in that journey, we decided that maybe better if he led the way instead of me leading the way. So we traded places and at some place along the line, we stopped worrying about where he was taking us because we realized that he was good and he was trustworthy. And that God's will was always best for my life. Anybody relate, relate to that? And see, that's, that's where I think we are when it comes to our, our stuff, when it comes to our giving, when it comes to our possessions and our finances. I mean, the question is, do we really, do we really trust him? And I want you to turn to Luke chapter 16. And while you're turning there, Jesus is finishing up probably the most, perhaps the most well-known of all the parables in Luke chapter 15. You know him as the parable of the lost you know, sheep, when someone leave the 99 and find the one, parable of lost coin, where she searched everywhere, she finally found it, and the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son, right, where every day he goes down, he's looking for his son to come home. And he's dealing with wrong attitudes as it relates to people. And then he switches gears in chapter 16 and he starts dealing with wrong attitudes as it relates to wealth. And I'm going to read this to you, but in Luke chapter 16, he begins what we know as the parable of the shrewd manager. And he says there's this rich manager, and he had this steward that was, that was not as faithful. He was foolish. He was wasting all of his possessions. Now, can you imagine? Here's someone with some means, and they say, here, I want you to manage part of this for me. And he gives it to him. And as he's managing, he realizes that he is wasting it. He's losing it. There's no return on it, or he's stealing it. But it's not increasing, and it's not even staying the same. Could you imagine? He would be a little frustrated. You would, right? And so when he finds this out, he, he, he puts in his mind that he's going to put away this foolish manager. The foolish manager understands that this is coming. He's like, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get fired. I'm not going to have anything left. He goes, so I, in desperation, he begins to act. He goes, I know what I'll do. I want some, I, I'm, I'm not going to have any place to work and I'm not going to have any place to live unless I make some friends. So I'm going to bring in all the people that owe my my boss money and I'm gonna bring them in and I'm going to I'm gonna show them favor. I'm gonna cut them a deal. And so he brought them in one by one and he said, How much do you owe? And someone said, I owe XYZ. And he says, All right, make it half that. And he goes, pay that. And the guy said, Great. And he remember he's trying to make friends so that when he gets fired and he has no place to live because he's a servant, he can walk down the street and maybe find favor to live with someone else. He's just trying to look out for himself. That's why he's called the foolish servant. The master comes in and says, you're doing a great job. Could you imagine he might went, what? <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. 
This is exactly what you should have been doing all along. And then he gets down to this passage in, in verse 10. For whoever can be trusted, say trusted. For whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever cannot be trusted, or the scripture says is dishonest with very little, cannot be trusted or will be dishonest with much. So, verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly well, then who can trust you with true riches? And who can trust you with the things that, that are really important to God, our Heavenly Father? Who can put those things into your hand? Verse 13, for no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other, for you cannot serve, say cannot. cannot. You cannot serve both God and, and money. Now, I, I don't want to read the entire all this entire series but is money evil no. no it is the love of money that is the root of all evil but money's not e money is amoral you can use it for evil things you can use it for godly things amen right we get that it's that's not that's not the issue it is the condition of someone's heart and how they're using it and he said you can't serve both god and you can't serve both money so here's what the foolish steward teaches us now in your notes number one about trust is that trust can be earned or trust must be earned. It must be earned. You remember another one of Jesus' parables entitled the parable of the talents? The manager was getting ready to go on a trip and he, so he divided up his kingdom and he said, here, he says, for you, you, you uh, I'm gonna give you five talents and I want you to make sure you take care of these while I'm on my trip. And he said, okay. And to another one he gives two and to another one he gives one. And he goes off on his journey, and after some time later, he comes back, and to the one who had been given five, he, is, he was thrilled to find out that he had also turned that five into five more. Now he has 10. And he goes to the one with two, and he says, he says listen, what did you do with the two? He goes, master, listen. He says, you'll be thrilled. He says, listen, I have four. I've doubled it. And then he goes to the one with just the one, and he says, what have you done with the one? And he says, I buried it. Here it is. I wanted to give it to you back in the way you gave it to me. He says, you vile and foolish and wicked servant. Depart from me. I don't even know you. You should have at least taken what I've given you, put it in the bank so it would have some interest. He says, you did nothing with what I gave you. Now, the question that I have for you as it relates to this story is, why did he only give that man one talent to begin with? I think it's simple. He didn't trust him. He knew he couldn't trust him, so he's not gonna give him a lot and come back and have nothing to show for it. I think he knew that he couldn't trust him, so he goes, I'm just gonna give him one and see. Just maybe he would exceed my expectation. Just maybe he'll, he'll shock me and do something with it. Just maybe he'll at least go take it to the bank, come back, and it'll turn into two. Just maybe. But I don't think he was shocked at all to find out that he had done nothing. Because I think he already knew the character. I think he already knew the person. I think he already knew he wasn't trustworthy. Can I, tell, can I tell you this morning that God is the greatest steward of all of us? And God is not gonna waste his resources on you if you're not trustworthy. Okay, just say ouch, just say amen. That'll work, I mean, right? I mean, he's not going to give you something that you don't steward well. 
And if you don't steward it well, he will not bring an increase. He will not bring more into your life. And so many times we want, so many times we're, we're, we want to blame God for not having what we think we deserve, but we haven't been faithful in the smaller areas. Remember going back to the story that we read at the beginning, that parable of the shrewd manager? Where he said, if you're not faithful over little, then you're not going to be faithful over much. If you're not trustworthy over little, he goes, then you won't be trustworthy over much. He goes, you have to earn this kind of trust. I think there's sometimes in our relationship with God where God begins to do something great in our life where he begins to bless us and then we level off because we're like, this is great, I like it here. And we never get beyond where we are because we haven't learned to trust God beyond where we are or we stop, resource, we stop stewarding the resources that God has brought into our lives. Can I tell you, that is a lifelong process that never stops never stops. We should see God continue to do something in our life, constantly, constantly doing something great in our life because he trusts us. He wants to bring new things into my life. How many of you know God wants to bring something new into your life? But you're gonna have to earn trust. By the way, I know I can trust God. That's not the question. The question is, can God trust you? That's the real question. You know, some people say, Pastor, if I... If I win a million dollars, I'll give it to the church. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. Say, Pastor, come on. Now, I, I, I love their heart in that moment, and there's some of you, I do believe you would do it. So I hope you win or whatever it is. I hope because something happens, though, amen. And you can prove that you will. I hope that happens, Amen. But for most people, no, they won't. Say, Pastor, how do you know? Because they won't give the church the dollar that's in their pocket right now. <laughs> See, I didn't come for much. We didn't have much growing up. I lost my job right before I went to Bible school and the Lord said, I want you to take a couple of online classes, which is the smartest thing that ever happened to me. I didn't grow up in church. I had no idea. I didn't even know the story of David and Goliath. And I'm getting ready to go to Bible school. And so I started taking a couple of online classes before I went to school. I got laid off. I go to the welfare office. I'm standing there in a $750 suit, $250 shoes, because I used to work in men's clothing. We got discounts. It was good. <laughs> and it was embarrassing. And I remember getting that first check in the mail, $98. And I said, God, what do you want me to do with $98? He said, pay your tithe. So I got to church and I thought, man, I didn't prepare well. I didn't bring $9.80. God says, just round it up. I said, I only have $98. So I put in a 10 spot. I did that for eight months before I went off to Bible school. Eight months, I gave to missions every week. $10 tithe, rounded it up, gave a few dollars for missions every week for eight months, living on almost nothing. When I went to Bible school, most of you know the story. 
I had $43 in my pocket. And I didn't know how I was going to make tuition. I didn't know how I was even going to stay in the school. And through a series of miraculous events, God paid for my schooling for four years. And when I walked the line, I had my degree in hand and I didn't know the school one penny. Now listen, the reason why I tell you that story is to give God all the glory, but also to let you know this. I firmly believe if I would not have been faithful over the $9.80 in submissions offering every week for eight months, my school bill wouldn't have gotten paid off. See, the gift makes the way for the giver. Are you showing yourself to be trustworthy? And see, some people are trustworthy over $10. That might be easy, but they're having a harder time with 100 you know, I saw it this week, how, how big a $100 bill looks when you walk into church, but how small it looks when you go to the mall. Amen. I don't know why, but you can do with that whatever you want. Number two is that trust can be measured. Yeah, trust can be measured. These last two points aren't near as long, but these, trust can be measured. Whoever can be trusted with little and can be trusted with much. He's measuring the trust level in our lives. God measures trust not on what you're going to do. Listen, God measures trust on not what you're going to do, but what you've already done. There's a lot of people that when you sit in a service like this, that their hearts are filled with good intention. Oh, pastor, I, I want to. I'm planning on it. I'll start giving next week. When as soon as I get paid, no, you won't. If you can't trust God today, you're not gonna trust him a week from now or a month from now. It's not gonna happen. And God is measuring our trust, not on what we hope to do, we intend to do, or we desire to do somewhere down the road. He is measuring our trust, where, what we have already done right now. And then he's making decisions on whether or not what's he, he's making a decision on whether or not he's going to do what he's going to do in our lives. So let me ask you a question. Can God trust you on a scale of one to 10? Just write it in your notes somewhere. On a scale of one to 10, where are you? Okay, some of you would rather get on a plane and go to the middle of Africa than begin to tithe. God, I'll do anything you want me to do, but I just can't release this. God's like, Seriously? God, if you start this big old ministry, Lord, I'm gonna make sure that I tell everybody about Jesus, but I can't, I can't give the tithe. I just, I can't, I can't do that. I can't trust you, oops, right now. Come on. It's an issue of trust in our lives. Do we trust him or don't we? He said, test me in this. It's the only part of scripture where God says, you can put me to the test, it's okay. No other part in scripture does he say, in fact, he says, don't tempt me and don't test me in this. But when it comes to your giving, he says, go ahead and test me. Go ahead and see that I won't do what I said that I will do, that I'll open up the windows of heaven, that I'll bring blessing into your life, that I'll provide for you all along the way, that you'll be blessed, that you'll be the head and not the tail, that you'll, that you'll have everything you'll have need of when you need it. Just test me. What he's really saying is this, don't you trust me? And then I think the next question would be, why don't you trust me? Number three, trust 
Trusting God requires total and absolute devotion. Verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or you'll love the other. You know, a heart divided usually is because there's two visions. If you get trouble in your family, it's because you have two visions going on in your family. It's not united. You don't have a singular vision in your home, so you have division, two visions about where the family's supposed to go, and you can't get on the same page, so now you have trouble. Same thing in your relationship with God. If you're struggling in your relationship with God, because every single relationship is based on trust. And in relationship with God, if you're, if you're trying to have a vision for your life that's different from the vision that God has for your life, you're going to have division, two visions, you're going to have a lack of peace. It's just the way it works. You can't serve two masters. You're going to love the one and despise the other. You're going to love the vision that you, that you think is the right one. You'll despise the other. He said, and he goes on to say, and it's interesting, this whole parable, because he brings it down to this last part, because you cannot serve both God and and money. You can't serve both God and money. Remember, we go all the way back to, to the first lesson in this series. We serve God and not money. We put money to work for us. We use money as a resource and as a tool, but we serve God. We don't serve we don't serve money. Now, let me try to bring this to a close. Let me try to help you as we get out of this series and move on to missions. And, and I, I'm super excited about next week. Dr. Easter is one of the best communicators and missional communicators in the entire world. You cannot miss next week. But I wanna, I wanna help bring this into some practical areas for you and I. So there's this journey that we're on and it requires both of us. And again, I'm not trying to be ugly here, but it requires us, if you're able, it requires us to have both sets of legs working in order for us to really experience all that God wants for our lives. There's two legs that we need for this journey. And the first leg that you're going to have to have in this journey as it relates to stewardship, as it relates to giving, as it relates to your finances, the first thing that you're going to have to capture is this. You're going to have to have a spirit of generosity. One of the hallmarks of a mature Christian is that they're generous. I can't wait for you to go to India with me because what we're going to do is we're going to actually walk down the street that's about 15 to 20 feet wide. And there's these 12 by 14, 14 by 14 houses on both sides. And we're going to walk down the street with Auntie Hulda Buntain. And when you walk, when they find out that she herself, after 60 years of ministry, is on the street, they all come out of the house and they line the street. It is like Jesus coming into Jerusalem. I mean, it's incredible. And everybody's out there, empty, empty, empty. And they're smiling ear to ear and they'll invite you to come into their home, 14 by 14 home, hardly anything in it. There's two pictures on the wall, one of Jesus and one of the Buntain. No family pictures, nothing else, just two pictures. And they're smiling ear to ear, and then they say, would you like something? You're sitting in one of the most impoverished areas in the entire world. They have nothing. 
their kids are out on the street begging and mom is at home taking care of the older, of the older grandmother or grandfather maybe that's still alive. And they go, is there something we can get you? You want a glass of water? Do you want a pear or a piece of fruit? And it's the only thing that they have in their whole home. Generosity. See, when I tell you when you come back from a trip like that, you're going to be forever changed. You're going to be forever changed. Because then you start going, what is our problem? What, what's going on with us that we have this land of plenty that we, that we can't be generous with our time and with our talent, with our testimony, and yes, with our treasury. See, here's the scriptural qualification, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and 11. It says, and God is able to bless you. Amen. That great. We want that, TBN, will pray that all night, right? And God is able to bless you abundantly. Come on, Jesus. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Come on, somebody say amen. Why does he do that? Verse 11, so that you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on all occasions. Why does he get it to you? So he can get it through you. Come on. He says, I want you to be blessed and I'm gonna bless you abundantly and I'm gonna rain down upon you blessing and I'm gonna show off my glory all over your life and I'm gonna let people know that I'm the one true living God and I'm gonna give it to you so you can give it away. That's what I want you to do. And you're gonna go, why would I do that? Because nobody else on the planet lives that way but God's people. Everybody else hoards everything that comes their way. Everybody else takes in. Everybody else tries to build a nest egg. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with saving for tomorrow. And there's a tons of scriptures that go along with that. That's not what I'm dealing with today. I'm dealing with the attitude and the conditions of our hearts. To where we say we have nothing to offer and we have nothing to give. But we've been given everything. We're going to have to learn to be generous on every occasion. Because of the things that God has brought into our lives. And through us, your generosity will result in what? When we're generous, what happens? What's the result? What's it say? Thanksgiving to God. And when we're generous like that, when we open up our lives and we share what we have, and we put, we're putting God on full display, why? Because there's no one more generous than God. Can you think of anyone more generous than God? who chose to give his one and only son. I mean, we're gonna have to understand that as we go through this journey, one of the legs that's gonna get us to where God wants us to be is we're gonna have to be generous. The second leg is this, is stewardship. As I finish this point up, I want the band guys, why don't you go ahead and come on up. But God is the best at getting us what we need and blessing our lives. Can you just say amen? amen? But we're going to have to learn to steward it well. We have to learn to steward it well. And I firmly, firmly believe this with all of my heart. 
And I, I touched on it just a moment ago, so I won't spend so much time on it. But listen to me very carefully. I believe this is all my heart. So some people step out and they begin to give or they begin to be generous. They begin to get this the, you know, spirit of Christ does something in them. It changes them. They begin to open up their life. They begin to share it. And then God's blessing begins to fall upon them. And after God begins to bless them, they begin to hoard it, keep it to themselves, stop sharing it. Stop stewarding it well. And then they limit what God can do in their life. They limit what God can do in their life. Listen, I don't think there's a single one of you in this room that would say, I want to limit what God could do in my life. I don't believe that for a minute. I don't believe there's a person in this room that you're seated, seated there and you're saying, I, you know what, I'm fine where I am. I'm just going to... I'm just going to limit what, I'm just going to put a, a ceiling on what God wants to do in my life. I'm going to just do that. I want to put a ceiling right here because everything's fine. I, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that any one of you would do that. We want to experience the most that God has for us. We want to experience the best that God has for us. We want to experience everything that God has for us. We want to experience the good that God has for us. We want to experience the good and perfect things that God has created for us before the foundations of the new, before the foundations of the earth. We want to create, we want to be a part of that creation, a part of putting all that into play. We want to do all those things, don't you? Well, in order to do that, then we're going to have to steward the resources that God has given us well stewarding them well look there's classes we offer there's growth groups coming up there's financial peace there's things are going on that will help drill down in some of these areas that will help you get beyond where you are but it all starts with you it all starts with you and your willingness to make to make a change in first chronicles chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 there's this two verse prayer and a lot of you have read the book, it was popular years ago, called The Prayer of Jabez. Have you seen that? You've read that? And here's what it says about the prayer of Jabez. These two little verses, this is the only thing we know about Jabez in the entire Bible. But it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He was what? He was honorable. He was more honorable than his brothers. He was more honorable. I think that's the condition of your heart today. I think that's where you are. I think you're, you're seated here saying, I want to be more honorable. I want to be my best. I'm going to give my best. I'm going to give my all. I don't want to fall short of God's glory. I don't want to fall short of what God has prepared for me. I don't want to fall short of the destiny that God has over my life. I don't want to fall short of God's best over my life. Isn't that what you want this morning? He says he was more honorable than all of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Listen, God or his mom named him pain. Think about it. Everywhere he went, hey, pain, what a reminder, huh? I mean, what kind of mom does that anyway, right? Thanks, mom, you're right. But he didn't live according to his circumstances. He didn't live according to his name. He didn't live according to what somebody else had put on top of him. He didn't live according to what somebody else's view of him were. See, everyone looked at him and said, you're a pain. Your pain, your pain. He said, I'm not gonna live that way. And he cried out to the God of Israel. What did he cry out? Oh, 
that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Oh, that you would bless me and that you would enlarge my territory. Oh God, you're a God of blessing that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And I believe that you wanna bring blessing into my life. And I wanna receive every single one of the blessings that you have for me. I want every single one of them. That's a bold prayer. And not only did he want the blessing for himself, why did he not, why, why did he pray this prayer? Why was he asking for the blessing? So that his territory would be what? Enlarged. Increase my territory, my reach, my expanse, my hands. For us as a church, it might look like this. God bless us so that, Lord, we could increase our territory, so we could increase your name, God, over this city, so that more people that are lost and dying and going to hell and people that are without you and people without hope and without a chance and without life would come in here and find this was a place of a second chance. And God, a place where you could take their lives and you could turn it around for good. A place, God, where your blessing would fall upon them and their lives would be forever transformed because of the power and the glory of God at work in their life. Amen. Amen. Enlarge our territory and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And listen to what it says. What's it say at the very end? It's on the screen. What's it say? God, what God do? God, God granted his request. Let me just, let me just, we're gonna close here, but let me just say that. So many people in church I found have gotten to a place where they don't even believe that God wants to bless them anymore. They've stopped praying for it. They stopped believing it. They stopped quoting the scriptures. And I wanna give you permission to ask God to bless you today. But here's what I'm, here's, here's how we're gonna close this whole series out. You're not just asking God to bless you what you're saying is, in just a few moments, when I ask you to respond, and you're going to stand and you're gonna say, yes, I wanna receive God's blessing. This is what you're also saying. You're saying, I am going to steward everything that you bring into my life exactly, Lord, the way I believe you want me to steward it. I'm gonna honor you with all of my life. I'm gonna honor you with all of my wealth. I'm gonna honor you with all of my relationships. I'm gonna honor you with all of my being. I'm gonna honor you with all that I do. I'm going to steward my time and my talent and my testimony and yes, my treasury to you, oh God, so that the blessing of the Lord can come and overtake me and I can be able to use it to expand your kingdom. Lord, that is my desire, amen? See, the Bible says that Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And the Bible says that you are part of Abraham's seed, meaning you are blessed to be a blessing. So we're not gonna stand up here and end this series by going, oh God, bless me, just bless me. No, we're gonna stand here, we're gonna end this financial series by saying this, Lord, we expect your blessing to come because you said every good and perfect gift. You said you want to bless your children, that you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will our heavenly father bring good gifts into our lives? I expect that, oh God, and I'm asking for your blessing to come. But I'm standing, God, because I'm declaring that I will steward well whatever you give me. So God, do that in my life and through my life. 
And if you're ready to do that, I want you to speak. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelst.com or on any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. We hope to see you real soon.